Well, it is great to be back here, and uh, Hope Chapel was uh, our church. I'm a, a music teacher. I worked uh, with international churches over in Vienna and Nice, France as the pastor there, and it was always great to be there, and then somehow got ended up returned back to Shrewsbury, where I grew up, and uh, God put us here at Hope Chapel, put me here at Hope Chapel first, and um, then I ended up, uh, I wasn't ready to do anything that first year I got back, but uh, God had different ideas about the next year, and uh, around June of that year that I was back, uh, I was contacted by a school up in Nashua, would I be interested in teaching? And I was like, teaching? I, I've been teaching, but it's been a while, and I'm they said, well, would you like to come up? And I was taking care of my dad. I had to cancel the interview twice, uh, I think. Uh, found out there was an application up there that I never signed. Has all the right information on it, thankfully, but I never, there's an application with a signature, but it's not my signature. And uh, so certainly God opened the door, and that's where I am, and that's where I still am. And God had me there, and Paula came over to visit a friend uh, up in Canada. Uh, we had known each other over in Nice, France. And uh, she stopped in, said hello, and here we are, married four years this summer. And so we were married up at Tower Hill, uh, which was lovely, and it was a great place. Neil and Christina married us. And the problem with that is when you only have four people at your wedding, somebody has to take the picture. <laughs> they all decided they looked better, so it was my, my turn. We did go to France with our kids, and we had a great wedding celebration at the church, one of the churches that I pastored there with St. Paul, and that's Christmas week in southern France. Do you see what I took her away from? <laughs> I was living in a family home in Shrewsbury, uh, knew that we needed to uh, move because that was going to be sold, and so we looked and we searched, and I knew another move for Paula would not be easy, uh, or for me. But God, again, clearly showed that we should move to Nashua. I now have a, a five-minute commute. I could actually walk to work if I wasn't so lazy. Um, instead of a, an hour commute, which oftentimes, as many of you know, becomes an hour and a half, two hours, even longer. Uh, and the city gal who I married can uh, walk to the bank and walk to downtown because she grew up in England and she could walk up to the high street. That has nothing to do about 1970s. It's just what they call Main Street. But what did that mean? That meant a new community. Some of you got that. You're old enough. Okay. <laughs> the kids will get it after a while. Uh, that meant a, a new support system, new doctors, new shopping, uh, a new church family. And that wasn't easy. So in speaking with Neil and Christina, and even though every time we come down here, they leave for some reason, <laughs> um, we see each other often, spend some time together. And inviting us to Hope Today, Neil mentioned perhaps we could speak about our search uh, for a healthy church, and what we found is we, we kind of began our quest, our journey. Uh, so today, as we take this journey together, my prayer is that God would, would speak to me, speak to us, to God's people, to how to join him in the work that he's doing in our lives and in the lives of others. Paula's going to come, and she's going to read our scripture for today from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to there, it's found on page 926 if you're using a pew Bible. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. 
Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as anyone had a need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Let's just pray together as we open God's word. Father, earlier the worship team prayed that your Holy Spirit would come down. We know that you're here meeting with us because you promised that. We pray your Holy Spirit would come down and reign in our lives. Open our hearts to what you'd have us say today. Open our hearts to what you want us to hear. And even if I don't say the words that people need to hear, that they would hear them through your Spirit. Teach us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paula and I ended up in Nashua. Um, living close by work, which was lovely. She can walk, which is lovely. And we moved into a project. It was a project. It still is a project. It's one of those years project things. Uh, So we began by uh, Allison Clark, who you all know, uh, loaned us an air mattress. We slept on the floor in the air mattress um, and kind of got water to a bathroom, maybe water to the sink made sure the dishwasher wouldn't let go all over the kitchen floor, and started those few little projects at the beginning. Then Sunday morning, we get up with uh, fingers aching out of the mattress off the floor. Uh, we worked late that night, previous night, so you were tired, but we went off to, our, to the, visit our first churches that were close by. Well, my city gal really wanted to walk to church. So we uh, started to walk to the, some of the churches that were close by. The first one we walked to was a beautiful building, absolutely gorgeous building. You just walk in and you see the majesty of God there. And uh, absolutely incredible, beautiful music, amazing music. And the gospel was there. The idea that God loves us, had sent his son to, to die for our sins, that we can have a relationship with him. It was there, but it was kind of hidden. But it would come out every once in a while. And so we thought, well, we'd kind of like a place where that's a little more forefront. So we went down the street a little ways, down the hill, actually, uh, not much further walk, and we stopped at another church that we had looked at. And we spent some Sundays there and spent some Tuesday nights there and tried some different programs there and spoke with some of the leadership there and kind of found out that how they functioned was a little bit of a concern for us. So then we went further afield. We actually got in the car. I know you're all laughing about that one, but you know, we did. We got in the car on Sunday morning, and uh, we went to try some different churches. You know, again, we looked online, looked at some things, and style really wasn't an issue. In fact, one place we were uh, offered a little gift bag. I think it came, if I remember right, it came with a mug, a couple other things, and earplugs. And it was nicely said that people your age may want to use these. <laughs> so I decided to dress a little younger and uh, get a toupee or something, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't the style, it wasn't, it, we just wanted to be where God wanted us to be. You know, all my life, my Christian life, um, since I became a believer in college, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was close to me. And we, sometimes we forget the context. It's Solomon writing to his sons, and I, I got two boys, and uh, I can just imagine 
Solomon writing these words to him. And it starts off in verse 1, and it says this, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days, a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. I'm sorry, rely not on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you in the right paths. That's not the version I memorized years ago, as you can tell, but trust in God. So he has me in Nashua. Clearly, I know that. He has us in this project of a house. Clearly, I know that, even though there are some nights I wonder. (laughs) Um, And just trust him now. What church did he want us at? Well, we didn't visit churches for just one time because that's kind of not fair. And everybody can have a, have a bad time. So we went to a couple of different times, and, and we tried different groups in different areas and uh, set in different places. And I don't think we were really out to try to duplicate Hope Chapel because I, I, that's kind of a false start if you're going to do that, if you're looking for a church. So we, we didn't, at least in our heart, I don't think we were trying to do that. But we were looking for a healthy church. And even though we were at some churches for many weeks, it was, we couldn't even engage somebody in saying hello. Uh, and we realized that this was not going to be easy. So it brought me back to my seminary days and what makes a healthy church. You know, it's not the building. Church is the people. And I know that. You know that. The church is the called out people of God. When they function correctly in a healthy way, this is what we're told from Scripture we should see teaching from God's word, fellowship with one another, caring about one another, true worship where we worship what God has done in our lives and what he's doing in other lives, and times of prayer, and then times of taking that message uh, to the world around us and the world that's even further out there. The early church based that on the apostles' teaching. They didn't have God's word to go by, so they got together and one of the apostles would speak, somebody who had talked to Jesus and had seen him teach on the parables, and they They got to hear from them firsthand what what Jesus said. And they spent time listening and praying together and trying to figure out those parables that are still difficult for some of us to figure out. And Jesus said that we need to make disciples of all nations, and that means we need to base our actions on God's word, not traditions, not what culture tells us, but on God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says these words, All scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need to base our life on what does the Bible say. Then the early church had fellowship with one another, mutual involvement and caring for one another. They practiced one another's of the Bible. You know, for many of them, they were kicked out of their families. You know, that doesn't usually happen in America when somebody becomes a believer. It does in other places. And when you lose your family, you lose all connections, all connections with your people. You know, we had young people in in France, especially when they became a believer, it was really hard for them and their families. Western culture. But their family just had no place for this in their lives. That meant a big deal. And if church didn't become the place where you could have fellowship where you could care for one another, where you could pray for one another and share not only money, but also our time together. 
That's what's needed. Jesus said this, and it was recorded in John 13. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. The early church ate together. They worked it out for a while. It took a while. They didn't have scripture to go by, and they had to figure out, uh, hey, we got these Greeks, and we got these Jews, and are we supposed to be together? It took a while. And they had to work that out. But they, they came to a good conclusion. Yeah, there was no difference. They could share meals together. They could treat each other equally. They could worship together. That's what a healthy church does. They remembered, celebrated the Lord's Supper. They honored Jesus. So it meant they spent time in worshiping him. It says they met daily praising God. And there were those times of worship. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that, in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making music to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the fear of Christ. As we come together, this worship here is great. You know, the worship team does a great job to lead us into God's presence and to thank him. And some people, I'm sure you came in today and you're excited about what God's done in your life today. And you can, you can be excited. And there might be some other people here today that last week was a tough week. But yet, somebody worshiping next to you and, and just, you can tell they're excited about what God has done can, can help you through those times. And other days, it might be you that come in and you're excited about what God's done in your life. And that whole idea of corporate worship it works. It changes us. It's powerful. And then they prayed together. They prayed for the church to grow. They realized that any day their lives could be next. And they prayed for one another. And in Acts chapter 1, it's recorded that they were, it talks about all these different disciples and all these different names from all these different cultures were together. And they were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. That was earth-shattering. Ladies and guys in the same place praying together? That wasn't the norm back then. They prayed together, and that pattern continues throughout the church today. And what was the result of that? There was mission. God added to their number daily. To be the called-out people of God means that we're taking that message out to people that are around us and then to the farthermost parts of the world. More worshipers of God, God to add to his people. You know, if we look at the map, there's these little groups of Christians. A few years after Jesus died, see those little, little spots of yellow around the red in, in Rome? Sidon, Jerusalem, Antioch. And that's it. The rest of the gray areas, the Roman empire, my ancestors. And there, look at how fast Christianity spread. Less than 300 years without the internet, without CBD books, without the bestsellers this, without planes to get us around. And yet, Christianity grew all the way up to Great Britain where my wife's from. 
Amazing. And God still is doing that work. You know, it's great to see people back from Quest. There were all those kids and adults that went out all over the place doing great work. It's going to change their lives. It's changing lives that they connected with while they were there. God's word went forth. And then good rain. Jerry's back. Others coming back. Even with Peggy's leg, there's still work going on there. God's doing great work. And this church is involved in missions. Really good things. And that's just great. Keep it up. Well, what have we learned on our journey? As we looked at churches, there was worship, different flavors, different earplugs, different things needed. But there was worship in church. Where churches praying, there was prayer. Was there mission? There was mission. All those things were going on, but the one thing I really think was missing in a lot of churches was the idea of fellowship, of caring for one another, especially to those that were new. Now, I don't think this is a sin of commission, as we would say. It's not that churches decided, hey, we're going to just close the door and be us. I don't think anybody starts a church or belongs to a church and feels that way. But I think it's more of one of those sins of omission. We just kind of missed the opportunity to do those things and connect. Years ago, I, I uh, worked in a larger church in New England, and uh, I was the worship leader there and uh, on staff there. And we had our staff meeting on Monday, on Tuesday morning, because the pastor wanted Monday off. So it was Tuesday morning. We get together, uh, and uh, we it was where pews we had long pews, and in the pews was a uh, a little a, a book, and you signed in on your pew, and each book was numbered, and then we would collect the. Uh, the pew books, and we would know who was at church, and we'd know who the visitors were. Then there was also a place where people could put cards and letters in, and we would read the cards and letters on Tuesday morning, and we would get cards that would say, this is the friendliest church ever. Same Sunday, we would get the same card, and it would say, this is the unfriendliest church I have ever been in. So we're scratching our heads, and finally it came to us and think, hey, let's figure out where these people were sitting. So we look at the pew thing. And it got to the point where we knew where visitors should, should not sit because they were sitting to people who, it wasn't in their nature to be unfriendly, but they certainly weren't friendly. <laughs> and so it got to a point where if we saw a visitor come in and they sat next to those people, we'd go, no, not there. And, and we, we actually talked to the ushers and said, these are good places to put visitors, and these are good places to put visitors. Because many of you sit in kind of the same place, you know. Paul always sits there and is what? You know, I mean, that's, that's their spot. It just is. If you sit there, they're not going to beat you up. They're nice people, but that's where they sit. You know, we kind of have those places where we go. And that, it, that's really what happens. It really depends on who you sit with. In Nice, in this church, international church, mostly of young people, very few older people. We met in an old French church, and um, people were there. And we had this little saying we used that IBC Nice is warmly welcoming people from all walks of life and cultures, a place to find God, good friends, and to truly feel at home. And there were a bunch of college young people there, like you guys, and they were really good at reaching out. They'd see somebody new, they'd be going, hey, how are you? And 
and it was all good. And hey, we're going off for get an ice cream afterwards, and you want to come? And and, they, and it worked really well. And at those churches, some people are there for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Some people a month. Some six months. Some two years. Some for a lifetime, but not many. So it's always this revolving door. But we had very few older people. We had a few older French people that would come that liked to use their English. And we had an older lady who was German who uh, had lived in the Philippines in different places, and she came. And the older people really had a hard time reaching out to anybody older because they expected kind of everybody to come to them. And so we had this little chat one night, and I said, you know, you really you need to reach out to those because the young people almost in some ways can't because they don't share the same things. And so they tried to work at it, and, and they did work at it. Well, it's easy to say things, but God tells us we just can't say things. We've got to walk the talk. So James chapter 1 says this, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and right away forgets what kind of a man he was. Well, where are we in the journey? Well, we found a good church. Is it a perfect church? No, because churches are full of people, and they're never going to be perfect, all right? Unless Jesus comes back, and when he does, then we'll have a perfect thing. But we found a good church. Paula and I serve in a food pantry, reaches out to the community, and that's, that's kind of a neat thing because some of my families from school come, and they're able to see me in a different way, uh, and so that's been good. We're involved in a Sunday morning uh, small group Bible study, and fellowship group, that's kind of when those happen at church, so we, we go to that, so we've got to get to know some people there. Paula goes off to a, a ladies' Bible study in the morning, and uh, last week we attended kind of a membership class, like the luncheon that was coming up uh, in another week, another week here at Hope. And so we attended that, and we found out that one of the universities close by uh, has asked InterVarsity to come on campus, and we've met with the InterVarsity leader of the area, uh, and they're just waiting for a student to show up at that campus that would like that kind of a thing going. Is that why we're there? We don't really know. That was last fall, and we just continue to pray about that. You know, as I look at Hope and, and know what goes on here, it's a healthy church. As Neil says, good stuff happens here. Don't you like the way he says stuff? He says stuff. But someone may never know that unless we, God's people that are here, reach out to those people that come or that are our neighbors down the street. Last week at the membership class, we met a family that has just arrived at church. The husband is actually from Holland. The wife had lived in Holland for a while. That's where they met, had their kids. They kind of, kids are growing up. And uh, they came back as a family, and he's got a job here, and they're, they're looking. Their, their take on the church, on their first couple of weeks, they were like, this is an incredibly friendly church. Everybody reaches out to us. Everybody knows us, that, 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 that which isn't quite the same that Paula and I had. And I think one of the reasons is they had kids. And, you know, with kids, you're able to make connections because your kid goes into Sunday school class and some kid hits them, so you meet their parents, and your kid hits another kid, and you've met their you know, those kinds of things. But you, sign, you put your kid in the nursery, and you know that the nursery workers, and you sign them up, and, and people get to know one another. And it's an, it's an easy entry. But where somebody is older, more mature, needing earplugs, um, those entry points may be not as easy. Or if you're single. You know, we had a lot of single gals that came to, uh, 
to, to church in Nice and St. Paul where their husbands wouldn't come. And, and it, I, it was really hard for them to come. You know? um, so even if you come, not single, but you're coming as a single, it's, it's difficult. Where are those entry points? Again, it really makes a difference who you sit next to. Well, I have some nagging questions for us. You know, Hope Chapel is not this building. You know that. It's us all being together, being God's people, being his hands and his feet, being salt and light, as the word says, taking his word and God's spirit's power into the world, what I call our sphere of influence, into the university, into our classrooms, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, and into our families. We need to do that. That's what we're about as God's people. And next, we need to get our authority from God's word. We need to spend time studying it. Not only as a church, but us individually. And I struggle with that as I'm sure you all do. Paula and I, we get going on a roll together and then it falls apart. And we just, you got to get up and try again. Your personal study, you got to get up and just try it again. There's the Easter devotional that's been put together. So maybe if you're one of those spots where you don't have something going, that, that's a great way to start. If you haven't started it yet, not too late, just start. Pick today and go at it. Worship. This is great. Church is a great worshiping church. The worship teams always do a good job here. They lead us into God's presence. But do you, when you leave here, do you continue to worship? I love what Bakit wrote. On every single composition that he wrote that they've been able to find, he always says, soli deo gloria, only for God's glory. Can you do everything that you do for God's glory? At the end of the day, you put your head down on the pillow. Mine goes right out. <laughs> but when you do that, can you say, what I did was for God's glory? When the kid in my classroom is driving me crazy, and it's Friday afternoon in that last class, can I do it for God's glory? You're trying to finish up that project at work, and it's just not going together. And the people that are supposed to be working on it aren't hitting their deadlines. Can you work it out and do it for God's glory and in his way? And then can we pray? Prayer is an important part. This is a praying church. But individually, do we spend time in prayer? Do we pray for one another, for the needs of the world? Do we pray for our neighbor? Do we pray for our world leaders, our city and town officials? the crazy elections that are going on. We have to pray. God calls us to do that. And then mission. This is a great church. Of, uh, it's full of mission. A lot of things going on. But individually, are we involved in mission? To our neighbor, to the person down the road, to the person that might be sitting in the seat next to us at church, can we reach out to that person? You know, I, I think mission and fellowship almost coincide together. Because if you really have great fellowship, you're going to be reaching out to people that are around you. And mission, I know, means you've got to go, because I did it. And there are some of us that are called to go, and there are some of us that are called to do it right where you are. Do you care for one another? Not only the people we like, that's kind of easy but the people who are different than us. Can we take time to see new people around us and not just our friends? Paula and I have kind of made it a point 
even when we were going to church here at Hope. I know I had my spot right back there. That's where I was. Uh, and for a while, I just kind of needed to be there. But once we were married, we, we kind of tried to pick some different spots to sit in, just to get to know different people and to watch out for visitors. At the church we're at now, we, we try to watch out for visitors, although as, I've re- as I wrote this message, I realized we've sat in the same place for a couple of weeks now. There's a reason we did that, but um, we, we have to watch that out. Watch out for that, that we don't get into that habit. That we reach out for neighbors and, and new people and get to know new people. And one of the ways I do that is, uh, I kind of got this question, it was given to me a long time ago. Don't ask somebody, are you new here? Because especially if they're like the founding pastor of the church and you just don't know it because you're the new person here, it doesn't go over well. Uh, instead, if you say, how long have you been coming here? How long have you been attending here? And it kind of keeps the door open because if you use the other one, it usually kind of backfires. Well, that's, that's been our journey, our quest. And we ask you to continue to pray for us as we pray for you. So let's just go to God in prayer now. Father, I thank you that you have called us to be a body, a body that cares and works together to bring you honor and glory. And Father, I thank you for hope. Thank you that it's a healthy church. I pray that you would keep it that way, keep it growing Keep it to be a worshiping church, a praying church, a church that's based on your word, a church that has great fellowship and great mission, not only for those faraway places, but even for the seat right next to us. Father, help us to reach out to people that might be different than us, people that make us maybe feel even a little uncomfortable. Help us have the courage in your Holy Spirit's listening ear to care for those people around us. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you that even if somebody's here today and and they're new and somebody doesn't reach out to them, that your arms are always open wide. You are always looking to have a relationship with people who want to trust you. And help them to find that faith and find that love that you have for them today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.